If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. The talent for so many players today, the talent in the spotlight, it's taking them to heights that their character's not strong enough to support. I'm one of those set goals achievements. I talked about faith, passion, obviously the drive with the guys that I've been around and the guys that surround me every single day. If I want to be one of the best, I've got to play with and against the best. Okay, so that which gets praised gets repeated. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle, brought to you by PGC Basketball. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle. I'm your host, Adam Bradley, alongside TJ Rosine, broadcasting here in Baltimore, Maryland. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that was recently discussed on one of your PGC webinars uh, that you and I were co-hosting together. And uh, and it caught my attention, and it also caught the listeners' attention, because a few people chatted about it in the chat room. You said, it's possible that players living in the gray area have potentially the biggest consequence on our team. Mm-hmm. And I may, and I paraphrased that a little bit from what yeah. you actually quoted, but you, you talked about players living in the gray area and the damage that they could cause. Yeah, I want to elaborate that because that was fascinating to me, and you need to explain a little bit of the context behind it. Well, I think the context behind it is just like in coaching, as long as I've been coaching and been in different scenarios, and probably more than even just me coaching is like watching other people coach and hearing their conversations and the things that bother them the things that go down go wrong and you know i've 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 alluded to before like probably my biggest regret in coaching is i had a player that was really really good at living in the gray area and it was a long year because i i couldn't find a reason to get rid of him and I couldn't find a reason to buy into him and I couldn't you know that that gray area was a really tough place for me but at the end of the day the way the reason I think a gray area player can be so devastating to a team is because you know when it's black or white like when you know a player is good for the team that's an awesome feeling and when you know a player is bad for a team you know you have to do something like something's got to go down here, whether it's with the players, whether it's uh, a meeting, whether it's uh, kick them off, whether it's, you you just know suspension, you know something has to happen. That gray area, oftentimes like players know things are going on, they know that they're cutting corners, they know that they're cheating, they know that they're doing whatever, and maybe you don't know all that, but you know like this player never really talks back, but on the same token, they never really follow your directions and do what. You- that, that gray area player, here's why it's so bad. Number one, it's bad for you as a coach. It'll make you old real fast. It'll drive you crazy. And it'll steal your attention and sometimes even steal your joy. And then for players, one of the things that I think is really uh, interesting is that if you have a gray area player or a gray area teammate, at the end of the day, like they just get fed up with that type of player. Like It wears on them. It makes their experience um, less than. And so... Uh, gray area just chip away at teams gray area, people that live in the gray area coaches I think now more than ever is the time for you to do a quick evaluation of your current team and ask yourself how many players do I have living and playing in this gray area they're they're kind of neutral. They're not necessarily necessarily adding major value, but they're they're also not you know this huge bad apple on the team that everyone knows about as TJ just mentioned. How many of your players and TJ, would you agree that, do you think on most rosters, the team is filled with players in the gray area? Like, think maybe more on the high school rate. You know, your college probably a little different because you've gone out and personally 
brought each of those players into your program. But a, a typical high school team. Well, let's define the gray area a little bit more. You know, like I don't think that a player not being talented puts them in the gray area. You know, I, I think. Sp- just solely talking about like the intangibles that you're bringing to the game, and, uh, and so what percentage of a team? Gosh, I would love for our listeners to tweet it out and let us know like what percentage of your team is in the gray area. I would, I, I, I think it'd be really interesting to find out. But my guess is usually typically, um, like one or two or three players are in that gray area. I wouldn't think that half the teams in that gray area. If half your team's in the gray area, you got a serious culture problem. You know, I, it, you think may, more, huh? I, I actually do. I, I, I literally do. You know, and I, I can't help but to think, because obviously we're not talking about talent here. We're talking about just all those other aspects. You know, the teams that I work with, there are so many players on the rosters that don't and and that don't seem to move the team in any direction. Mm-hmm. They they aren't. They're not moving them forward. They're not moving them backwards per se. They're just kind of there. They're just kind of members on the team. And, you know, they may contribute at times on the court and stuff like that, which is, once again, not what we're talking about. We're talking about all the other aspects involved in this. Maybe but. there should be another color because let me expand on that a little bit. Like, the, the, I, I, get, I get what you're saying. Like, those players aren't good for the team necessarily. But when I think of a gray area player, I think more along the terms of a player that, like, they're hurting your team, but you just don't have enough ammo to do anything about it. You don't have enough. Okay. You, you know what I mean? Yes. So I think like the, the, the player that you're talking about, because I think that's why I had a different answer to the gray. Okay. The player that you're talking about. Kind of that indifferent player. The indifferent player. Like, I, I, I admit, like if you're not helping the team, you're probably hurting the team, right? But the gray area player is the one that I think just has – is the card that can bring the whole fort down. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. So, so let's elaborate that because I want to make sure we're clear before we talk about it. So you're right. So maybe there's four shades, right? Maybe yeah. you've got the green, right? All good. Everything yep. is good. Everything is a go. Uh, then you've got that other player who's just kind of the indifferent, right? Just, you know, they're not bad apples. They're, they don't talk back. You know, they're, they're good teammates, but they're not really doing much for yeah. you. You know, they're not moving the needle. They're just kind of, they show up every day and they do their job. And, you know, but they just don't necessarily do it majorly enthusiastic or over and above. They're just kind of doing their job. Then on the far end, I'm going to skip over. You've got the, the black, you know, uh, bad, you know, bad apple, you know, troublesome, issue, issue, issue. Then you're talking about right before that, the gray. Right. Is that where you're going? Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. That, that, bringing that the team down. Third. Yeah, definite. Bringing the team down a little bit, impacting the other teammates, maybe with like uh, gossiping, maybe with bad talking, maybe with kind of always questioning coach or always complaining about playing time. But to your point, never significant enough that like everyone talks about it. And, like, you have to do something about it, but just kind of permeates itself through the program. Yeah. I mean, you tell a kid to do something, right? And they do yes, sir, and they jump to a great. The other end is that they flick you a bird. You know there's a problem, and you're going to have to do something, right? The other end is, like, they don't really run to the job. They kind of walk over there. And, yeah, technically you said – you know, throw a pass, but you didn't say throw it over your head. You, you know what I mean? Like, there's always this that area. It's like, okay, you, they knew what I meant, 
and they knew how hard I wanted it done, but they chose not to. So they could get by by saying, oh, well, what are you talking about, coach? I went over to that side and I threw the pass. You know, they could get away with it. <laughs> right. Technically, they could get away with it, but they knew better. You know, that's that's that one that gets you. So, so what is the consequence of having players like that? You know, we talked recently in the, the coaching traps about avoiding, right? Yeah. You know, what is the potential consequence of having these players that live in the gray area that almost every team has, at yeah. least one or two? What's going to happen if we don't figure it out, recognize it, and do something about it? Well, I think that all eyes are on you when you have these players as a coach. I think players are looking at you. Like, this kind of determines what's acceptable and what's not. You know? And, and this is where the line gets drawn. Like, either you you challenge them or whatever it is you need to do to make sure that they come over to the other side or they fail and they're no longer with the team or they get punished or they, you know what I mean? Like letting them live in the gray area, everybody's watching and they're looking to see what the standard is. And if they don't get an answer, it tears your team down. They need an answer. I think human nature, we always try to oftentimes, most people do find the easier way. Right. And, and if you've raised the standard a certain height and this player is helping kind of bring it down and all the players are recognizing it to kind of lower it, players are going to go as far as you hold them accountable to. And if they begin to see that you can get away right, with doing it at this level because that player over there is doing it, you're going to begin to see repeated imitation from the other players. Players are going to start repeating it and following yeah. that person's act. It almost reminds me of a treadmill, TJ. Every time this player continues to do something that undermines you subtly as a coach that kind of goes against what you're saying, it's like walking or running on a treadmill, and every single time the player does it, they're increasing the incline by a level. Mm-hmm. And, and at first, it's no big deal. You don't even really recognize. You don't mean recognize that you're on a level one incline, but slowly, over time... Hit, hitting of the button after hitting of the button, instance after instance, before you know it, you're trying to set a standard and establish something in your program, but boy, you are battling. You are having to climb an uphill battle at this point to get there because every time you keep communicating and it keep fighting harder, they just keep pressing the button. That's exactly what happens. And it, you, you get in over your head. You get in. I'm going to give you a real practical example. Um, but before I do, let's take a halftime and let's listen to our communication tip of the day from our friends at TeamSnap. Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap for today's halftime communication tip. Coaches, it is so important at the end of a coach-player meeting that the coach asks the player to repeat back what they just heard. Oftentimes, this is a mistake that is overlooked and not done by coaches during these meetings, but it is so important. Do not run the risk of feeling that you're condescending or patronizing the player by asking them to repeat that. This is simply a measure that can allow you both to make sure you're fully on the same page for everything that you discuss. So this week and the weeks ahead as you have these meetings with your players, take a moment, ask them to repeat back what they heard, and I promise you, you both will feel better about the conversation. Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap. Make sure you check out TeamSnap.com backslash hustle to learn more about the communication app serving over 15 million people across the globe, helping teams get organized all the way from their parents, players, and coaches. That's TeamSnap.com backslash hustle. Check them out today. All right, Adam. So here, here's a real practical one. Here, it, it, This is the thing I think coaches are 
face all the time. You know, like we're in our season, and there's a player that is an older player, not just a freshman, an older player, you know. And this person's growing a ton. They've gotten a lot better, right? But they're living in the gray area. They're doing things we don't accept in our program. And I know it. The team knows it. But that player probably doesn't know that I know that I know it. You know what I mean? You know, like I, I've a lot, heard a lot of games being played. Yeah, well, I'm saying I, I've like yeah. I like from the other teammates. I've heard it's going on, but that player doesn't know that I know that they're in that area. And so you really can't call them out because you're worried about the parents. Like people get in those situations, right? But I also know they're tired of the shenanigans and like practice starts at 7 a.m. and they're there at 6:59. We've already said if you're on time, you're late. Like you know. They keep living in that area. So in that moment, I'm, I'm faced with the decision because they're clearly in the gray area. And the decision is this, that I think a lot of coaches go down this route. They say to themselves, you know, gosh, it's their junior year. It's their senior year. We'll fix it after the season. There's only eight games left. You know what I mean? Like there's, you get to that place, right? Like I'm just going to ride it out, hope the team doesn't focus on that. But there's a decision to be made. Do I kick them off? Do I keep them? Do I suspend them? Do I not play them? Do I not start them? Do I, I not? And I think there's another rationalization I hear from time to time. I, I don't feel like the players really take much notice of them. Yeah, I hear yeah. that from time yeah. to time also. So, so exactly what I, you're either going to like kind of rationalize it away, like it doesn't really matter and it doesn't, you know, like, or you're going to rationalize it to like, you know, but we've got a lot of other good stuff going on and this this won't kill us. You know what I mean? So let's just get through this. That is exactly the gray area I'm talking about that really kills your team. Like, you can't live in that space. You can't rationalize positively or negatively. Like, there's a problem here, and people know it. And people know that it's chipping away at your culture. And even if you rationalize it till the end of the season, when you come back next year, all those freshmen and sophomores remember that, like, well, you let that person do that, and you didn't do anything about that scenario. Those are the people that chip away at teams, years, and cultures. I couldn't help but to think when you were talking that your quote that you've shared many times on the show, like you've got to fight for your culture every day, mm-hmm. right? I, I think what is difficult in this is how much do you push and, and how much do you kind of let go, right? Because I think there are coaches that are sensitive to be that micromanager and that just, you know, over the top, just kind of uh, just always coaching. And, they're not always coaching, but always picking on their players, always calling them out, always trying to address every little thing, and, and being sensitive to not be that micromanager where a lot of these things are subtle yet loud, yeah. okay? In a, in a strange way. How do you balance that, TJ? How do you balance not being that coach just, that's just nitpicking every day and always commenting? Or is it a situation Do you, if you find yourself feeling like oh, I say it to him all the time or I always, I'm always bringing it up, maybe that's the, the light that says there's a problem here yeah. and it needs to really be addressed. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I think it goes back to like your core values. Like What have you determined like this program is going to stand for? So at the end of the day, like you know, if, if one of your core values is you know, extreme accountability, like that's one of ours, right? And a, a a player continually says, "Well, it wasn't my fault." Wasn't, you know, they never take responsibility. Like you can't call it one of your core values and not stand by it every single time, you know. But let's say, for instance, you know, a player is growing out their hair or a beard, or 
they're wearing you know earrings or whatever and it's like that doesn't really affect our core value but we you know we've also said look sharp look the part you know do things like it, it'll benefit you in the future to do these things it, like i think if you're in a situation where you know you have to sometimes choose what which which battle am i going to fight but you've always got to you've always got to fight the battle of your core values you know what i mean you always got to fight them to some coaches that means well, gosh, I'm not going to have any because I don't want to fight those things, you know. But at the end of the day, I think the core value ones are the ones that you've got to fight every day. And the other ones that are like they matter to you and you think they're a little bit impactful and they make a difference. But uh, it's not the hill you want to die on, you know. Sometimes you might just need to let it. The other flip side of that is if the four core values are being upheld, right, and, and there's other little things. Like maybe it's just the next teachable moment. They've got these four core values, right? that they can they can move forward with and so maybe you could take them to another level and say hey you know what you guys have taken extreme accountability you've done this i want to challenge you to do one more thing we're not dressing bad but we could dress sharper we could look the part better you know so now you're positioning in a way like you know because they they're so responsible and so good i can take them to the next level i also think there's an opportunity in all of this for coaches to lean on their players tj right i mean maybe this is something where a player in your group of players maybe your captains maybe your your experienced seniors could step in and help get a player out of that gray area you know and you go and you have a conversation and say listen you know I've addressed addressed this player a couple times, right? And, and guys, you all know where we have our standards set in this program. Like I'm, I'm leaning on you to kind of help facilitate this conversation, right? Because you know I don't want to get to the point where I may have to at some point really address this player, right? But I, I don't want to. I like so and so. I care about so and so. I think they they have a lot of good things they can bring to the team, right? But that they're they obviously keep stumbling on some of these things, guys. I, I, this is a team effort. I like for you guys. You know, I need you guys to help kind of push that along to make sure Johnny doesn't keep doing what he's doing. Okay, like we're in this together, right? Like, coach cannot be the only one leading this team. All right, we need to be, you know, leading from internal, internal as well. So I think it's an opportunity, TJ, for coaches to lean on their players to help engage in some leadership opportunities as well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I think at the end of the day. You know, a culture that accepts the gray area is going to be broken down by the gray area. Yeah. You know, because and that, and if, culture is not a coach. A culture is everybody. Everybody, and and if it's happening, and the players are allowing it, right? You know, and, and maybe the coach is avoiding it at times and allowing it to continue to permeate, but the players are allowing it too. That's a problem in and of its own right too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had a player, re- you know, tell me he's like, "I'm just fed up with so and so," you know, because this person was in the gray area. My next question is, oh, really? What'd you do about it? You know, because I, I know that they were, they were, they were, more or less saying to me, "It's in the gray area." You know, it's in the gray area. Handle it. You know, but and they were right. They were right. But my question back is, I'm in this predicament. And I don't want to be, and I know you're right. I got to handle it. But what'd you do to help me stay out of this predicament? I'm gonna tell you the best programs that I've been around. Their players don't allow other players in the gray area. Yeah. I mean, they they fight it, yeah. and and they just despise it. And if they see a player come into their program, whether it's a transfer or a new guy coming in, and, and they start falling into that gray area, like it's like, no, 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 you're not going to mess up a good thing that we have going on here. Yeah. Like, you, you better get it, get it right. And, and that, man, what a true definition of player-led cultures, 
right, when that begins to happen. But if there is this player in the gray area and they are permeating and never doing enough to truly get you, you know, to the point where you have to lay down some consequences for them, uh, but they're always flirting with it, this is an opportunity for the players to step up and help grow as leaders themselves. So, listen, do an evaluation. Do you have a lot of players in the gray area in your program right now? What are you doing about them? Are you avoiding it? Are you addressing it? Are you engaging players to take some responsibility and ownership with it? Understanding to what TJ said, the gray areas can help bring down your program, and you certainly don't want that. We'd love to hear any thoughts you have on today's topic. You can always send us a tweet at hardwood underscore hustle. I am Adam. He is TJ. Together we are the Hardwood Hustle. Till next time, we're out.